sit in the back actually better for the volume. Do um do you still have your full feedback sheet from last week? Anyone need one? I got a different, I got kind of a smaller sheet. Oh, perfect. One take two. Que el Señor esté con ustedes. Y con tu espíritu. Proclamación del Santo Evangelio según San Lucas. En aquel tiempo, Jesús estaba a la orilla del lago de Genezaret. Y la gente se agolpaba en torno suyo para oír la palabra de Dios. Jesús vio dos barcas que estaban junto a la orilla. Los pescadores habían desembarcado y estaban lavando las redes. Subió Jesús a una de las barcas, la de Simón. Le pidió que la alejara un poco de tierra y sentando en la barca enseñaba a la multitud. Cuando acabó de hablar, Dijo a Simón, lleva la barca mar adentro y echen sus redes para pescar. Simón replicó, maestro, hemos trabajado toda la noche y no hemos pescado nada. Pero confiado en tu palabra, echaré las redes. Así lo hizo y cogieron tal cantidad de pescados que las redes se rompían. Entonces hicieron señas a sus compañeros que estaban al otro lado, en la otra barca, para que vinieran a ayudarlo. Vinieron ellos y llenaron tanto las dos barcas que casi se hundían. Al ver esto, Simón Pedro se arrojó a los pies de Jesús y le dijo, Apártate de mí, Señor, que soy un pecador, porque tanto él como sus compañeros estaban llenos de asombro al ver la pesca que habían conseguido. Lo mismo le pasaba a Santiago y a Juan, hijos de Zebedeo, que eran compañeros de Simón. Entonces Jesús le dijo a Simón, no temas, desde ahora serás pescador de hombres. Luego llevaron las barcas a tierra y dejándolo todo, lo siguieron. Palabra del Señor. 
Gloria a ti, Señor Jesús. Estimados en el Señor, vamos a dar inicio a esta reflexión con una frase. Y la frase es, no valen excusas, no valen excusas. Cuando Dios llama, no vale ninguna excusa. No es bueno inventar omisiones de parte de Dios. Por eso, pero eso sí, cuando Dios llama, no hay pretexto que valga para decir no. Ni siquiera sirve el creerse incapaz o el no sentirse digno. Porque lo que sí sabemos es que si Dios llama, equipa bien a sus enviados. Nos cuenta el Evangelio que acabamos de proclamar que Jesús se subió a la barca de este hábil pescador llamado Pedro para predicar desde allí. Al terminar, les ordena ir mar adentro para pescar. Pedro dice que no hay pesca, pero confiando en tu palabra, echaré las redes. Sucedió entonces la llamada pesca milagrosa. Atraparon tantos peces que las barcas casi se hundían. Al ver la manifestación del poder de Dios, a Pedro le sucede que se reconoce pecador e indigno y siente ese mismo temor reverencial, que no es miedo, no es miedo ese temor que tiene Pedro. Apártate de mí, Señor, porque soy un pecador, Jesús le dice, no temas, no temas, desde ahora te haré pescador de hombres. ¿Y qué pasó? Desde ahora te haré pescador de hombres. ¿Y cómo respondió Pedro? Jesús se queda asombrado. Entonces, ¿cómo respondió Pedro? Entonces, llevaron las barcas a tierra y dejándolo todo, lo siguieron. Esa fue la respuesta. El seguimiento a Jesús. Aunque dignos, este fue escogido por Dios. Aunque indigno, este fue escogido por Dios. ¿Y quién es digno en este camino? ¿Quién es verdaderamente capaz? Nadie es digno ni nadie es capaz. Pero es que esas deficiencias no cuentan. Porque cuando Dios llama, Él mismo purifica. Cuando Dios llama, prepara y equipara el escogido para la misión que le ha encomendado. Quiero terminar, hermanos, esta reflexión con estas palabras de San Pablo. 
que nos explica qué es lo que sucede. Es Dios quien obra en quien ha llamado. Es Dios quien obra en quien ha llamado. Por gracia de Dios soy lo que soy, dice Pedro. Dice, Pedro, dice Pablo. He trabajado, aunque no he sido yo, sino la gracia de Dios que lo ha hecho posible. Que así sea. Bien hecho, bien hecho. Gracias. ¿Cómo sientes? Súper bien. bien. Muy bien. Yeah. Muy bien. Confiado. Con seguridad. I thought your proclamation of the gospel was superb. I bet you I bet you read the gospel a few times this week because you really you own the text. You weren't just like visiting the text, you know. You own the text. Um, you got a great voice and a lethal. You, you had like the preacher's rhythm, you know. Um, two things I was going to mention to you. One is, and this is a good, I thought it was great. You said, Una frase. No hay excusos. No hay excusos. La frase. That was great. You could have, you could have, um, Daniel, come back to that. Like you could have every fourth or fifth sentence, you know, uh, Simon said he's a sinner. No excuses. No excuses. You could have mentioned Isaiah, like, because this is kind of a nice one, because Isaiah's got the call too, right, in the first reading. So you could have said, Isaiah said he was a sinner. No excuses. No excuses. Um, that could have been La Puenta. That could have been your bridge. I think the one thing, great style, great rhythm, great voice, one thing I would have liked to see, he did a great job in the first century. I kind of was waiting for you to bring it to the 21st century. Okay, so for Peter, when God calls, no excuses. But I'm, in 2022, I got so many excuses. I got kids, I got a job, I got a mortgage. You know what I mean? Like, could you? I would have liked to see you apply because you had a great principle, no excuses, and maybe apply it because Jesus doesn't really ask Peter that much. Yeah. Put your hands down. That's like what? 30 seconds of work. You know what I mean? So maybe that could have been like your, hey, the Lord might be asking something small, you know, and. If you can stream Netflix for four hours a day, <laughs> you can say a chapter, you know? So that was an recommendation. Um, superb style. I, you could have used that phrase because you said, here's the phrase, I'm not sure I heard it, but once in the homily. You had the phrase, but you could have, it could have been like a touchstone. And if you ever see like a preacher, if you ever see sometimes when a preacher walks around, He'll use that phrase. He makes a, a button. So you established a button you could have pressed. Like, you know, and the best is when you get them to kind of say it with you. So St. Peter said, I'm a sinful man. Depart from me, Lord. No excuses. Isaiah said, I'm, I'm, I'm a sinful of mouth. He, he must have had a, a foul mouth. I'm sinful of mouth for sinful people. No excuses. 
And then you could imagine, like, you know, whoever, uh, Moses, I'm slow of speech and tongue. Hey, and so you and I, same thing, you know, you know, whatever. I got kids, I got a job, I got a mortgage, I got college loans. Because you could have, like, kind of made it, you made a nice button there. Um, yeah, that, that's my only comment was some kind of, kind of bringing it to the 21st century, because you kind of stayed in the first century a little bit. But man, you got style. You got style. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be good at this. Oh, I also have this phrase, skillful angler Peter. I've never, that's a nice phrase, a skillful angler. Yeah, but actually, that's the only time you ever caught a fish. Uh, think about it, they never caught a fish until Jesus came along. Yeah. yeah. You guys seen the uh, the Chosen, this theme of the Chosen? Not yet. Have you seen the Chosen at all? A little bit. You know? I love it. Oh. Um, I'm torn on it because I kind of like using my own imagination for the Gospels. I got my little image of Jesus, you know, and... That I've like worked hard for in reading scriptures over over the years, but theirs is really good. And the scene, this scene is in the first season. Peter, we're told, has made some very bad business deals, even gambled away his money. And because it's a question, why is he fishing at night? Um, that's unusual, isn't it? So it kind of answers that well, it, in an inventive way, offers a a possibility, a plausible kind of answer. He was trying to get more fish to meet this deadline. He was in debt. Interesting, you know. Anyway, it's a really good scene from the Gospels there. But well done. Thank you well done. We want time for the. Uh, <laughs> See, I record him and I already sent oh. it to him. Oh, how many? How much time was that? Because the recording also Six helps. Six minutes and. I thought the timing was perfect. Yeah. Supposed to be no one three minutes. What are you doing? The gospel is long. Well, this is, a, this is also a Sunday. This is a Sunday holiday, too. All right, Bob. Okay. No why excuses. No why excuses. I have two homies. I had one from last week, which was, was not the gospel. And I have this one for this week that's the gospel. Do your one from last week, because I want to catch up, and then I want to give a little lesson, and then we're going to get into it. Saul, Saul, 
Why are you persecuting me? I replied, Who are you, sir? And he said to me, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. My companions saw the light, but did not hear the voice of the one who spoke to me. I asked, What shall I do, sir? The Lord answered me, Get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told about everything appointed for you to do. Since I could see nothing because of the brightness of that light, I was led by hand by my companions and entered Damascus. A certain Ananias, a devout observer of the law, and highly spoken of by all Jews who lived there, came to me and stood there and said, Saul, my brother, regain your sight. At that very moment, I regained my sight and saw him. Then he, then he said, The God of our ancestors designated you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear the sound of his voice. For you will be his witness before all. To what have you seen and heard? Now why delight? Get up, have yourself baptized, and your sins washed away, calling upon his name. The word of the Lord. Thank you. Uh, not someone to film this, by the way. Sorry, Ryan. Did not someone to get your cell phone to record it? Down the phone. Okay. Thanks, week. The, uh, the conversion of St. Paul is something we can all relate to, I think. Paul was raised in a devout Jewish family in Tarsus, in highly influential Asia Minor. We know from the Acts of the Apostles that he was a Pharisee. We don't know about the early trial of Paul, though. We know at the time of Jesus there were two large Jewish sects. They were the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees came from families of noble birth, were very well connected with the ruling authorities among the Roman government. So they held a great deal of political power. The Pharisees, on the other hand, were more closely connected with the common people of the Jewish culture. They were typically merchants or business owners who had become wealthy enough to be able to begin studying and interpreting sacred scripture. Most people at that time were uneducated, so to be able to study and interpret scripture meant they were financially well off. The Sadducees were old men, whereas the Pharisees were considered new men. So the Sadducees had the political power with the Roman government, and the Pharisees had the political had the power over the masses because they dealt with them on a regular basis. The biggest difference between these two parties was the Sadducees only believed in the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. The Pharisees, on the other hand, accepted the entire Old Testament as well as angels, spirits, and the afterlife. The Sadducees did not believe in these things. So, so much as they held a difference in opinion when it came to religious knowledge or understanding, but they had one thing in common, and that was they were both diametrically opposed to Jesus of Nazareth and his followers. Paul was an avid persecutor of the early Christians. While he was on his journey to Damascus, where he swore to wipe out the new Christian church called the Way, he had an encounter with the risen Jesus. Jesus blinded him by a bright light, saying, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He was still at this time called Saul because he had not yet had his conversion. The Webster Dictionary defines conversion as an experience associated with the definitive and decisive adoption of a religion. So here we have Saul, used to persecute the Christians, now becoming one of the greatest evangelizers of the early church. While Jesus did not, while Jesus did his earthly ministry, he had encounters with the Pharisees. He said of them that Pharisees taught many good things, and they taught God's law, but the most important thing was to obey God's law. Jesus called the Pharisees graves that men that painted white. They looked good and holy only on the outside. Before his conversion, Saul was zealous for God's law, but after his conversion, he used that same zeal that he had for God and his laws to evangelize 
for the risen Jesus and his newfound church. He had been one of the biggest persecutors of the early Christian church and his followers. But now he was trying to convert people to the faith. To the faith. So Jesus took someone who was an early persecutor of the Christians, converts him, and almost half the entire New Testament was written by him or about him. Now just as when the angel Gabriel visited the Blessed Mother at the Annunciation, he told Mary, with God, all things are possible. Praise be Jesus Christ. Now and forever. Yeah. How'd you feel? Uh, yeah, couldn't be better. <laughs> After hearing everybody last week, I knew I knew, you know, stick with the gospel, but I already had this written. I would have changed it, but I had a rough weekend, so. Hey, a piece like that, you have to go to a outside the gospel source because it's not in the gospel. So, right. So for that piece, I think it's appropriate to, you know, to take your, your preaching. Well, and the, the thing is, if you think about it, you have, you know, here you have the, the, the two bookends of the, old, of, of, of the early church, Peter and Paul. Peter preached to, 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 to Jewish people, but this other guy went out, he didn't know where he was going. You know, he went to the Gentiles, he went to different countries, he was not believing. So you gotta give him a lot of credit, that's how much he, you know, but the zeal that he had to persecute the Christians, now he's bringing people into the church. You know, that's, you know, I think it's another example of, you know, God creating something good out of something bad. Yeah. He switched them over and bam. I'm, I'm better off the cuff than I am on. What you just just said is gold. What you just did, do that again. You know, like, like that was great. You were natural and you had energy. Um, and you have an emotion to say, Paul? It's not that I have a devotion to him, but I... I, I I like what he did. Yeah. Okay. Not 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 early part of his life. How much? That's the latter part of his yeah, life. <laughs> Tell me what you like about St. Paul. Well, what inspires you about? Well, when 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 after his conversion, okay, he you know, he always had zeal for God at the wall. Mm-hmm. But after his conversion, he he took what used to be a negative and used it as a positive. You know, he went out there and you know, and I guess the one thing being a being a contractor, being a Blue collar. I can relate to him because, you know, he was not, well, he was highly educated, um, but the thing is, he worked with his hands. And when you work with your hands, you know, you're dealing with people that most people who work in office don't deal with, you know? And when you think about it, Jesus, you know, when you go through all those parables, what do you speak about? Bread, wine, wheat, weeds, fish, stuff that, that the average blue collar worker can relate to. Because mm-hmm. if you, if you go in and try to preach to somebody about something they don't know about, it's over the head, they're not going to get it. You know, I heard one time, somebody a priest years ago told me, when you give a homily, you have to be able to preach so that five-year-old and the 85-year-old grandmother can relate to what you say. We've got to get you away from the text too much. Because mm-hmm. what you're doing now is golden. Mm-hmm. Your homily was C, maybe C+. Plus. This is A material right here. This is golden. You're, you're natural. You're a contractor, you said, Bob, yeah. profession? Same, same thing. Jesus was a carpenter, but he, got, he was smart. He got the sales. St. Joseph was a carpenter. And God the Father was a building built the universe. See, that? I think that's power. Because you're going to have fishermen kind of sensibilities. Like, fishermen are like... Laborers, they, 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 they curse, they spit, you know. Oh, um, so, so this is good. They right? sin like me. 
you have a power that I don't have. You know, I never had that kind of profession. I worked for the state parks in Maryland. You know, a union job, but you're better off. <laughs> but, but you have a power. And, and nowadays, you got you got you got bought it. Trust me, you got a better 401k than I got. Yours is eternal. You have a power that like it's going to be good. So stop, uh, you know, discrediting yourself because the Lord's going to do powerful stuff for you. Um, couple couple noted uh, things. Your, your first part, Bob, was like very good as an essay, but not like a homily. You explained the Pharisees, the Sadducees. Um, that was like a bulletin post or a blog post. But for a homily, I would have started with what you said, uh, maybe two-thirds through, your line was something like, this guy went from killing Christians to writing half the New Testament, or half of it's associated with him, you know. The, yep. or about now that's a power opening. What? And then, then your homily can answer the question, what happened to this guy? How do you go from killing Christians to traveling the world to promote Jesus? He met the risen Lord. There you go. He had a conversion. So, and then you had, I thought you were going to say something like, he, he was zealous for the law, but became zealous for the Lord or the lawgiver. That could be a nice phrase. Okay. Um, you also said the phrase diametrically opposed. That's a mouthful, man. Yeah. You just they hated. They hated Jesus. Yeah, but I think let me put a, you know, a couple fancy words. Okay. There. Church it up a little bit. <laughs> Guys, don't don't use Webster. I don't know. I think it's like the most boring thing in the world. Webster defines. Just cut that out. Yeah, but they, they were the only ones that I, I looked. I spent 20 minutes looking for the definition, and they were the only ones that, that took with conversion, mentioned religion. Yeah, but if I had to list like the most boring things in the world, it'd be like a sentence that begins, Webster's dictionary defines. And also, like, I don't care about Webster. What does scripture tell us about conversion? You know, that's okay. the more interesting thing for me. Um, so yeah, don't ever say like Webster defines that. It's like, but yeah, man, you got power, and, and right now you're unlocking it. I think next homily you do, but let me see your homily about hold up one time. Is it all text? Is it like a paragraph form? Let me see next it, It's large print so I can see without my glasses. That's your writing? Is that right? No, this is scripture again. What's yours? Let me just take a look at I'm just thinking for next time, I think you would be better with just a couple words, you know? Well, that's, yeah, okay. but I, I have to get to that point. All right. But the way you were talking, wasn't he so much better? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, this is like an essay, you know? Yeah. But we gotta get you how you were. Just talking about St. Paul, that was a whole different world. Right. That's the world we wanted to get you when you were preaching, because we right. were fun and natural, I wanted to listen to you. When you were reading that, I didn't. Well, same, it's funny, I did. The one only time I did a talk for the seal, it was a study talk. And that was God's sense of humor. Because I hate my conversion, but I could see a weekend like like the thunder out the out. But I got the tape and you know, Piety was Piety study actually. Yeah. They they handed me the study book. So I had a stack of books that I read. Okay, Thousands of Dummies, uh, Catechism, 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 and so I had them all there. I get to page three and I'm like this, okay, and then uh, I can see everybody like you want this stuff. So I put the stuff down and went to the book. Look, they wrote a book for me. A thousand with dummies, and after that, I just that's fine. I didn't go back. I didn't go back to the paper. I just did it from the heart. Well, the Lord chose people like you. 
Because most people are like you, you know? Please. In your parish, you mentioned like blue collar. There's lots of those people. They're going to connect with you. Right. So Lord's giving you some power. I think next homily, I'm not sure how to, how, how to do it, but there's something that unlocks the genuine Bob. Well, I, my, if we if time tonight, we'll do the second homily. It's a trouble. It's much better than this. All right. Does anyone have a feedback for Bob? You can give the sheet here. And, isn't this fun, guys? Yeah, this is like the best. last week. I want to just, I figure I just give you an example of, I'll show you what I do. And there's a million ways to structure a homily. And I was actually going to suggest, when you talk to your pastor or the priest at your parish, ask them what they do. One, it'll give you more insight into, they're probably what, 20, 30 years on the job, a couple decades of experience you're going to have. One, you'll get some insight into how he does it. Um, B, if nothing else, it kind of flatters them a little bit. You know, that's not a bad thing. Um, and it might even give you some insights. And also, as I understand it, your pastor will have to approve of your preaching. Is that correct? Sorry. So it's good to know how he does it. Uh, not that you would do it that way, but it's kind of good to know maybe what he expects a little bit. Maybe even if you're close with him, like ask him sort of what this might look like once you're ordained, because as I understand it, there's some conversation between you and the pastor as far as the approval of faculties goes. So it might be good now to kind of start the conversation about you know preaching in your parish. But I'll show you what I do. And I don't expect this to be normative. I'll have to send this to you, Anthony. I didn't uh, make a, a scanned copy. But um, I'll show you, this is my homily from, from yesterday. And here is the method. As far as I know, I'm the only person who's used this method. I call it the four boxes or six boxes or eight boxes. Now, we've got more here. Come around. We I started using. Does everyone have the? Um, you need two more to the second one. Okay. Does everyone have my, my homily and then the, the cleaner six boxes? No. Yes. So everyone got these two? And next one. So I developed the six boxes while giving talks. Were like a half hour, kind of so long, like twice the length, I guess four times the length of a homily. And just the talks are kind of long, so I needed a way to organize it. And I've always wanted, so I got the six boxes here. The first two I write are the first and the last, one and six. That way I know how I'm getting in and how I'm getting out. And then I, in each box, 
I have an idea for something I want to accomplish that, that develops the theme from the previous one or further explains it or gives a concrete example. A saint, a story, something like that. This, is, this works for me. You gotta find works for you. I kinda like having the discrete boxes. If I get a little lost, I have a hard time finding myself in like a text like this, like well, where, where did I, where was I? Then I also have to go like, oh yeah, sacraments, <laughs> you know? But for me, and for a talk I'll use eight maybe, for a, hom for a daily homily maybe four, for a Sunday I'll, I'll six. I don't always do this, but I do sometimes. And this past Sunday's homily, I did it because I had a couple things I wanted to kind of connect. One was St. Paul, um, St. Peter, one was Isaiah, one was a little story about, you know, um, when we try and do things on our own. Um, so I had a couple things that were sort of, um, I knew myself that I could be easily lost if I don't kind of organize it. So I, where's my, uh, so kind of like um, Danielle, I kind of wanted a little button first. So I, I said put out into the deep, or put out in deep waters is the actual, what I read. And uh, in that first box, I said, I want to establish kind of a theme. Um, and so I said something like, the very first words that Jesus says to Simon, put out into deep waters. Before he makes him the rock, before he renames him Peter, out into deep waters before he becomes the leader of the church, before he's martyred for love of Jesus, put out into deep waters. And that's my first box. The next box was kind of getting into the text a little bit. Jesus gets into his boat uninvited. We pray all the time, Lord, come into our lives. He does, but he also does it when we don't want him to. There's nothing we can do or not do. The Lord's coming into our lives. You can't you know, pray the Lord into your life. He's, he's coming in, just like he got into Simon's boat. That's like someone getting into your car. You're, you're stopped at a red light. The guy hops in. Make a left over here. That was the, that was the experience of Simon. The guy hops into his boat and starts giving commands. Put out into deep waters. Put out into deep waters. And Simon uh, kind of politely responds. We've been at it all night. Caught nothing. But at your commands, we'll do it one more time. Put out into deep waters. And I was kind of going for like the this homily, like the attitude was like, okay, buddy, you know, like, you're in the boat, I, I, out of politeness. Um, that's like my interpretation of it, but that's your job as homeless to interpret what's happening here. Then, so, I was very lucky. I had two times to preach this on Sunday. My second one was so much better. So the writings is kind of like the second time I improved it between the masses. My first story was a dud. I, I said, so Simon's been fishing all night, presumably hours, and caught nothing. 
That's how everything goes when it's my effort. When, when, when I really want this, I'm going to work hard for this. Sometimes I get it, but it's okay. You know, it's, it's, it's all right. I, I earned it. I, it's maybe satisfactory. But when we allow the Lord to, when we will what God wills, the entire world bends to us. When we unify our heart with the Lord's heart, miracles happen. But the whole world seems to bend to us. This is what, and then I told him that I've been a priest six years. I've had three assignments. I never wanted any of them, and they've all been awesome. I wanted to go to a Spanish-speaking parish in Long Island for assignment. I was working on my Spanish. I was going to get good, you know, and nope, went to Connecticut. St. Pius X, and it was awesome. When I left, after two years, I was crying. Uh, they were happy, but I was crying. Um, and then I came to a youth ministry. Didn't want to do youth ministry. I, was, I wanted to stay at St. Pius. <clears throat> it's been awesome. When we unify our will with God's will, put out in the deep, amazing things happen. The world bends to us. That's my third thought. My fourth one, connecting to Isaiah, because there's a pattern and every time the, the Lord appears, Old Testament, Testament, there's a similar pattern. The Lord appears, there is resistance, and then a command given. So for Isaiah, if you remember, he's in the temple, and the Lord calls to him, and he says, I'm sinful of tongue from a people sinful of tongue. I don't know what that means, but that was his resistance. Kind of like St. Peter, I'm a sinful man, and... The Lord, because he's sinful of tongue, like purify the angel, I guess, purifies the mouth of the emperor. And then, who shall I send? He says, send me. So there's the appearance, the resistance, overcoming that, and the mission. Every single time the Lord appears to someone in the Bible, he tells them to do something. There's no, like, just, like, high five. Good to see you. There's always, like, Put out into the deep. Go to my people. Um, come, come follow me. Come follow me. There's always a command. They're on mission. And so I kind of went to St. Peter's thing. Like, I'm a sinner. Well, Jesus knows that. He knows the whole backstory. Um, doesn't matter. You just have to start. Put out into the deep. Uh, you don't get fit by waiting until you're fit to exercise. You start. You start walking. You start jogging. Do something. Spiritual life. Exact same. Okay, what do I do? Do something. Start. Pray. Say a rosary. Come to Mass. Do something. Get the ball rolling. Um, but this is where I kind of changed things the second time I did this. I, um, I added the line. You probably can't read this. It's like illegible. But uh, I got a U in penmanship from Sister Raymond in first grade. Unsatisfactory. <laughs> I, I wrote the line, I'm not the guy. I thought that was like a, a contemporary way to say it. You know, you probably want to talk to, to Ryan. He's more the churchy guy. I'm not the guy. Um, St. Peter's trying to say, I'm not the guy for this. But the Lord says, yes, you are. You are the guy for this. I might say person if it was like, you know, women and men. You know, just, you are the person for this job. Um, so I added that. I also added the little line, every time the Lord appears, he gives him a mission. 
So I changed that story about uh, myself, because it just wasn't like, I don't know, it was too <laughs> clerical, I guess. Um, it made it about my cousin, who I talked to recently. She's in high school, lives in Michigan, and I asked her, I saw her before Christmas, and said, Kelly, for Christmas, what do you want for Christmas? And she said, you know what, I really want a boyfriend. Um, this guy at school, I heard he thinks I'm pretty, and he looks like Liam from One Direction, which I guess is a good thing. And I heard he's going to ask me out, so I really want a boyfriend. And I said, oh, okay. I talked to her recently, so it's four days after Christmas on um, the presentation. It's been 40 days. I said, how's things going, Kelly? And she goes, good. And I said, what about that uh, Liam-looking guy? And she's like, oh, we dated for a little while, but I broke up with him because he smelled like soup. <laughs> so that's just the word soup. You know, and, that, and my point is, that's how everything is when we, when it's our will. I want this. And it's always unsatisfying. Everything physical is like that. Everything um, of, our, of our status is very unsatisfying. We put so much work into it, and that's us. Up all night, no fish. But the world bends to us when, when the Lord's in the boat with us. And that's kind of my fifth, fifth block there. Um, OK, so you're here. You're at mass. Way to go. What's the alarm? Um, so the Lord's in your boat. Now, I, I love having Jesus as a passenger in my boat, as a consultant. When I need some help, I'll ask my consultant. When I need something miraculous, I ask Jesus. Um, but it's my boat. I'm the commander. He's my passenger. That's step one. Okay, the Lord's in your boat. Step two is, well, who's the commander here? And you allow the Lord to become the commander of the boat. The world bends to you. Put out into the deep. I realized between my first two homilies, I had to have, I, I need something specific I wanted them to do. This is a good thing for a homily. Give them something specific. Almost like the Lord gives something specific. So my first thing was like, get involved in the church, which is way too general. Um, so I kind of added, I'm not sure what put out in deep waters means for you. It might mean becoming a lector. And we had like little kid lectors, they're like uh, high school students, like little kids, they're high school students. I said like, Sebastian and Adrian, it was their first time lecturing, way to go guys. Someone's like, yay. It was like the family mass. I said, hey, they answered the call. Maybe the Lord's calling you to be a lector or a catechist, or to do homebound visits. You know, a lot of people are still homebound. Um, so I said, so introduce something specific for them to do. Uh, don't just say, like, Lord calls us. Even, like, a concrete thing. So that was what I had to change in my second one. Then how am I getting out? Very simply, it says shadows. It meant shallows. Quit playing around in the shadows is what I yeah, this, is like, this is just for me. It's like my note. So, but, um, you know, okay, the Lord's in your boat. You gotta quit playing around in the shallows. Put out in the deep waters. But the Lord invites us into a grand adventure. We'll see miracles. But the first step to something deeper is to put out in the deep waters. So that was sort of the, the homily that I, the homilies I gave. Just, I want to give you an example. This is what I, this is what I had in front of me. Um, 
and I changed it up a little bit. I love having two swings in it. Because your first one's never the one you like, you know? You probably heard this as like a common thing. There's always three homilies, the one you wrote, the one you gave, and the one you wish you would have given. Yeah. You know, somehow during the week, you'll have a certain idea of how it's going to go. It oftentimes, not always, it oftentimes doesn't go the way we imagine it. Sometimes something else takes shape. Um, this will happen to you. This is like almost a guarantee in your first year or so of preaching. Mrs. O'Reilly will come up to you after Mass and say, you know, uh, Bob, what you said about um, uh, Mary really touched my heart. And that really gave, you know, spurred my devotion to Blessed Mother. And you will say, I am certain. I did not mention Mary at all in my homily. But hey, she, she heard that somehow in that moment. And you kind of almost want that to happen. You you can't control this. The Lord can. But what you want is while I'm talking, for a few moments, people tune out and they're thinking about the Lord in their life. I kind of expect folks to tune out a little bit. I do. When people are preaching. Um, maybe you do too. You kind of expect that and maybe you get them thinking about, oh, okay, if I was a lector, you know, I, I kind of like doing that kind of stuff. And, or, you know, my son's in fourth grade. I could be a catechist, I gotta go anyway. You, know, you kind of want them to be thinking a little about these things anyway. That's why I think it's gonna have a button, like, like you had, because it kind of brings them back a little bit. Because again, a homily is not an essay. I don't think you can have point A, you know, and then building upon that, point B, and then point C. I think you gotta have point A, here's here, this supports point A, this is point A upside down, this is point A again, in a different reverse order. You know, it's kind of like you do different things to bring it back to the one point, because otherwise, if you have like one point and they, they miss your first bit, you might lose the whole thing. Does that make sense at all? That, this is what I did. I thought it would be good to show you what I do. But I, I tell you, talk to your pastor. Ask what he does. He'll probably enjoy talking to you about it, because this is like fun, you know, the crafting of homilies. And so this is like my dirty notes, you know, my kind of wrote on, and this is sort of the method here. Um, any questions or comments? Good, I like it. Yeah. Is this what you bring to your, uh, when you buy your homily, this sheet? Um, or you just this I made for you. But I often will have like six boxes. Not always. I would say maybe 40% of the time I do this. But I have it when like, I have a couple things I'm afraid I'll get lost. Because for me, like, a linear text is just... But you have, you have an idea in your head of what you're going to say. This is just as a reference. Right. Precisely. And each of these boxes is kind of the next thing right. to get me to how I'm going to In case you do get sidetracked, boom. I know I'll get sidetracked. Because <laughs> hopefully I get sidetracked. Hopefully I get too much into a story where I kind of don't look at this for like three minutes, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, what's the next thing? Oh, yeah. Isaiah, you know, so kind of, um, but you yeah, ask your pastor. And I actually use this more for talks, like a half hour presentation, I'll use eight boxes. And I might get the six of them, I might get the seven. I usually don't get to all eight, I'll kind of read the room a little bit, 
and if, if they're feeling something, I'll kind of dig deeper into a part, and if they're not, I'll say, okay, next thing. But yeah, for like half hour talks, I'll use eight boxes usually, maybe six, but, um, and sometimes I draw pictures sometimes, like a boat or something, just because like all I need is an image, and then it's like, okay, you know, that's, that's what I do. Now, I didn't always do this. This is like the past couple of years I've been doing this. Um, but I wanted to share that with you as, as one man's method. But yeah, I think someone like you, Bob, might, might like something like this. Because um, the less you're here, right. the better. So this kind of, okay, what's the word? All right, talk about uh, the time I had a job in Vermont, you know, and then boom. And then, okay, talk about uh, St. Paul on his road to Damascus. Okay, you know. And, Thoughts of any comments or questions? Yeah. You can use that sheet, develop it. I don't know. It might work for you. Just a word on, on length, guys. I think we're generally kind of moving more towards the long. Just want to say something to you about that. Don't feel like you have to share the entirety of Christian theology in one homily. You might have in your lifetime over a thousand homilies. You know, if you preach every week for what 20 years, you got it. So don't feel pressure like to everything has to be, you know, super tidy and um, all the counter arguments have to be met. I don't think that pressure is is, is helpful. Um, does that make sense? You don't have to, yeah, that's enough. I found this, this nice quote too. It might be like Mark Twain or somebody. I heard it attributed to him, but I, I couldn't find where he was alleged to have said it. A good sermon should have a compelling beginning, a compelling conclusion, and they should be as close together as possible. I kind of like that. Okay, then, so now move on to the, the good part, the preaching. So why don't we have you guys go last? You guys, well, actually, let's see what time is it. I got to do a better job with the timing here. So it's 8 o'clock now, so we have an hour and a half. So there's 8, eight let's do the math here, Nine. 90 minutes divided by 8 plus a break is 10 minutes each. So your homily has to be under 10 minutes. That you can get a little feedback, okay? Can someone time us? Is there someone with a stopwatch or someone with a uh, stopwatch? What? Do you go Doug or Nicole? Okay. I got it. So um, maybe give them a wave at what point. What's that? I, you, I'm cutting you off. At what point? Mm -hmm. You were just going to tell me. I was going to say around six. Maybe just tell them like, hold up two. Um, and we're not counting the gospel proclamation, just the homily. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So long time for like I want to give feedback. That's but, six minutes. <laughs> that's what you want to see. Right? Yeah. And then maybe for seven. Or I about this. After eight, put your hand up, okay? Like <laughs> there's the light, you know. Okay. But finish your home. Man. Don't don't uh, don't cut it short. Okay, man? I didn't bring any side of the eye today. Maybe just go around this way and one, two, three, and then Four, five, six, seven. And Stephen, you can be last this time. 
right, man? Did everyone print out a, a copy? Does anyone have their feedback sheets from last week? I have plenty of plenty. You got plenty? Yeah, like uh, Ooh, 14 more. Okay, so you have enough for you. Can you do me a favor, Danielle? Can you pass out, um, make sure everyone gets five. I might have enough. So I just talked to Deacon Frank earlier today. It's my goal. I think you guys are ready to have an actual congregation. It's my goal to get between six and ten people in here every Monday night from here on out. I think that's the best possible thing for you, is to get real people's feedback. Because you're not yeah. preaching like for me. And let them. Yeah, and they'll get this sheet. Cool. Um, and they're the kind of people who are going to be in your parish. They're, they're friends of mine, I know from church, and they're good people, and um, a variety of backgrounds, and it'll be a good cross-section of probably what's in your parish. Mm -hmm. Does everyone have five? No, I have two. Only two. Okay, if I use these from next week. That'd, that'd be great, yeah. But that, this is what they'll get, a little uh, quarter sheet here. Okay, I'm going to stop talking now. I have, okay. I have my sheets from last week. Should I just use if you can use ones from last week, that'd be great. Okay. I probably have not quite enough. So you could take this back. Thanks. side of the sea, Jesus and his disciple came to the land of James Array and tied up there. As they were leaving the boat, people immediately recognized them. They scurried about the surrounding country and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was, whatever villages or town or countryside he entered. They laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they may touch only the tonsil of his cock. As many as touched it were healed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord has finally acquired rock star status. <laughs> How strong is our faith? I ask myself. 
those that went to meet the Lord were 100% sure that the Lord will heal them. As many as touched the tassel of his cloth were healed. Two years ago, we found ourselves in the midst of a pandemic. It was horrible. We lost the privilege of celebrating the mystery of the Mass. We had to follow the Mass, celebrate the Mass through television, through the cell phones. It was a time of isolation, a lot of uncertainties. And we were in a lot of turmoil. We were going crazy, but as Christians, we began to do what Christians do. We began to pray. We accepted the challenge of celebrating the Mass on, on TV, on uh, YouTube, Facebook, whichever way we had a chance to get together with our community, but we were praying. We were praying for a miracle, miracle. we were praying for a, a, an answer, a, a healing from this pandemic, from this horrible disease that was killing so many of our relatives and our friends. As many as touched the tensile of the clock were ill. The answer came, and we received a, 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 a vaccine we had the mask, we had the, the distance to isolate with each other, and we were able to see Christ healing because Christ is always in our midst. We don't have to go out to a special concert to meet this rock star. We can meet Christ by simply praying, and he will take over our lives. He will heal us. As many as touch the tassel, were healed. The people at Genseray, they had a lot of faith. Do we really have that faith? The pandemic is easing off. It's not as bad as two years ago. Mass reopened, and the people were slowly coming back. We had to go back to our mask, and a lot of us chose to complain. But we were able to celebrate the Mass we were able to touch the tassel from his cloth. And people are still dying, but not at the same rate as they were dying two years ago. So Jesus is still healing us. We can find this healing in the elements and the sacraments that we have in our church. We have the anointing of the sick. We have the sacrament of confession, and above all, not only are we touching the tassel of his cloth, we are receiving Jesus, the whole body, blood, soul, and divinity as we go to Mass. Yet some people are still complaining. Some don't want to come back to the church. They don't like the way things are going. Is our faith really that strong? Do we really believe that it is Jesus on the sacrament of the Eucharist? Are we willing, are we doing whatever it takes to go out and meet Jesus and touch the tassel on his cloth? Brothers and sisters, 
Be our Lord with the Holy Eucharist that we're celebrating this evening. Touch us and heal us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lucas. How'd you feel? I was preparing to read more, but as you said, one thing is what I write, one thing is what I end up saying. I try my best not to uh, keep my head down. Mm -hmm. And uh, after prayer, this 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 was the, the topic that came to mind. Yeah. I thought Grace, I wrote down when I was Stilo, we got style. And I like glasses on and off. I think that's kind of a cool device. I wish I had glasses. I have my glasses this time. That was good. <laughs> um, I'm most about it. I thought it was a good little line about rock star. I just, you know, kind of interesting. I was even thinking like we said rock star, I was like, there's a St. Peter joke in there somewhere. Peter being a rock, you know. But um, <laughs> tell me what the message was. If you could do one sentence. Well, actually, let me ask. Let's just go around real quick. Um, maybe just each say a sentence about what the uh, the message was that Lucas preached on. Stephen. Um, to take all of our problems to Jesus, and He will heal us. Excellent proclamation. Just the sentence, the, the one sentence message. If you had to summarize. I'm excited about that. No, what is If you had to describe uh, this could be a homilia in una oración, la mensaje. El mensaje. ¿Qué piensas? Amongst all the chaos, Jesus is always there. To reach out to us is so simple. No matter how we can do it, we have the ability to touch him somehow, we'll be saved. Those with faith, Christ will heal. I'll say it. Oh, that was what I thought. You know, if our faith is strong enough, yeah. you know, the Lord said many times, we move mountains. Yeah. Um. I I wrote down prayer in the pandemic. So similar. I guess Lucas, like you got style. You're really good at this. I don't think you need to waste time describing the pandemic. Everyone on the planet knows what's happened in the past two years. I, I, I wouldn't waste, even if you mentioned like the vaccine, and that's gonna be a trigger word for some people, you know, just, um, everyone knows what's going on. I don't think you have to describe it. Even saying like, people are complaining. I don't think that helped your message. Um, I don't know, like, I, you, you were, I like listening to you. Something about you is like captivating, you know? I feel like Herod John the Baptist. I enjoy listening to you, you know? Um, I was just thinking though, what if someone in the parish, um, their like brother, who was the holiest guy in the world, you know, said a rosary every day, went to mass every day. There's people in our parishes whose loved ones died of COVID. Um, Jesus, 
for some reason that is mysterious, they didn't recover, you know? Um, what would you say to that if someone said? When, when we are constantly in prayer and learning about our faith, we have to understand that after all, it's the words that will. We say the word prayer every day by working on. Okay, I, I was just thinking like, you introduced in my mind the question, if, if, if faith heals, does that mean those who aren't healed lack faith? I think, I, honestly, I, I believe that all of us lack faith. One of the things I pray all the time is for stronger faith. When it comes to faith, I'll be moving mountains. You know, because it seems like who the Lord heals and who he doesn't is mysterious, you know? Because I think it was controversial. controversial. You, you hear what I'm saying, right? Like, I, I'd be careful about faith will heal you, because sometimes it doesn't. And for don't the sick, the sacrament is not, it's a sacrament of healing, as you mentioned. It's not, as a priest, I, I, I always tell people, it's not a cure. It's not like, I'm not promising that you won't have this disease. This is a sacrament that gives healing, like reconciliation, grace, and peace. Intangible things. It's spiritual thing. Anyway, just, that's what I was thinking. But again, I'm a priest, you know, so of course I'm thinking like on that level. Um, uh, I thought well done, style. I guess this is like where preparation, I can tell you preparing. Can you see your, your text one time? Is it Spanish or? No. I can commend you also, because you probably had to do it twice for like translating kind of. No, no, I don't. This is also a funny miracle, isn't it? It seems like it's the, I don't think there's many miracles that Jesus doesn't directly like do. It's the faith of the woman and Jesus himself doesn't seem to realize who it was. Who did this? Isn't that a funny miracle? Well, the thing with, with this, I, we have to pre uh, preach, you can call that, uh, we have to preach on whatever uh, a gospel is for that day. We don't get to pick and choose from which gospel. And this gospel is just an Arabic. Jesus doesn't say anything on this. Uh, oh, doesn't say it? No, okay. it's just an Arabic from the Hebrew yeah, there's, there's no talking, there's no... There's oh, no okay. you know what? I'm sorry, I, I conflated it with the uh, energy woman. Right. Okay, I understand. That's right. Okay. Well, well done, Lucas, you have a but uh, well done. Thank you. Next up, Raphael. Oh, my Veronica. Yes, thank you, Father. Yes.
blackout. Eh? Blacked out. Okay. But we don't mind, I'll send it to you. Okay.
without getting any answer. How many, not only parents, but baptized like you and me? Men and women seek their happiness, their spiritual or physical health in things that people go to do it, like to read their hands to the botanica, to those things that is not good at the eyes of God. Looking for conclusion in the botanica, when in fact all they have to do is seek for Jesus. All we have to do is seek for Jesus, brothers. Go to his to his feet and ask him to heal, to restore, and to set them free. Today is the day for us to remember that we cannot waste our time. Risk losing everything. But today is the day for all of us to look for Jesus Christ because only He has the word of eternal life. Amen. How do you feel? Little nervous. But, uh, you know, I was, I rehearsal, I wrote it, and I, I'm doing the translation because all my life I've been preaching and, and you know, reading in Spanish and participating most in mass uh, in Spanish. But, uh, you know, I try, my, I try my English. I'm not afraid to do it. I give you credit for that, Brother uh, Rafael. The, the handful of time that I preached in Spanish has been very hard, so I appreciate it. Yet everything here you've been doing twice, essentially. So um, I, I thought you still had good passion, good passion. I believe what you were saying. Thank you, thank you. And you, I give you credit. This is a very hard passage. It is. It, is. Um, it appears, and you said harsh words. It appears two things happen. Jesus is kind of being a jerk. And secondly, he loses an argument. <laughs> um, so I appreciate you going right after it, because um, it is a hard passage. But it's, it's, it's a good reminder also for, for, you know, for, for our faith. Uh, what we have to search, what we have to look, and not wasting the time uh, going to places that we don't have to go, that we don't need it. What do you make of that? Except the Lord's harsh words. How, how do you interpret that? Just... See, because I, I, by by uh, listen to our people, uh, so even in the radio station, you know, and they're conceived. They think uh, all the time. They think that, that, that uh, in the Lord, like uh, he's not gonna, uh, you know. Talk to them like that and, and ask for, for, for what belongs to him. And, and make me be, be, and feel, you know, like how, how can God to respond like that? And, and you know, but I, I know that, that, that he's jealous of, of, of his people and, and he wants to, 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 to be also with authority. And, and because God is a, is a um, merciful, but also. Uh, you know, when he wants to 
showed his authority. He, he showed he, it, it, not in a, the authority that, like, uh, we as a human. But he, well said. I was just, two things I was thinking that you inspired me, because this is a hard passage. You know, I, this would be struggle, I think, for any preacher, because it is a difficult passage. Um, as we were talking, I was thinking, it seems like the Lord appreciates two things. He wants relationship. He doesn't want to be like a gumball machine, you know. I, I put in my Hail Mary, turn the dial, and hit from my miracle, you know. He wants to be a relationship. And secondly, it seems like he really appreciates persistence. Because she's persistent. Yeah, she comes yeah. right back at him. Yeah. And, um, I have to get, I have to go, yeah. you know. That's what, I, that's what I mean, I, I'm not afraid to try my, you know, my, 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 my English also, even though I have an accent, or even though, you know, I don't know. Accents are charming. Like, mm. What you might think is a flaw is a good thing. Mm. You know, like, yeah, anyway. It's a, it's, it's a good Well, well done, brother. Yeah. Good yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to need someone to keep the time. I keep the time for it. I mean, same thing. I'm going to do front six of what God did. I taught, I took, well, I have a four-page version, but I'm not going to do what I did last time. So I have, uh, I'll show you what I did. You had like a whole stack. You had like a whole micro book last time, didn't you? Yeah, yeah no, so, I mean, I can't do that anymore. So what I did, I, I kind of took the idea I told you about that I saw in one of my three stories. I like that one, though. Yeah, I, I, I'll read it as it's in front of me. I took an old paper folder and I did that. Did you look it up? Uh-huh. Now, can I read that? I don't know. Give it a shot. You're experimenting. Am I going to read it? This, this is really a laboratory. You know, you're experimenting. This is a good time to experiment. If anybody,
Lord be with you. And, and with your spirit. spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went to the district of Tyre. He entered a house and wanted no one to know about it. But he could not escape notice. Soon a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard about it. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to drive the demon out of the door. He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied and said to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's scraps. Then he said to her, for saying this, you may go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. When the woman went home, she found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Mark introduces us here to a woman who has a problem, and she brings it to Jesus. But she doesn't realize what she's about to encounter. Because Jesus has just left Galilee, where he's had some encounters with the Pharisees and the scribes, and he's looking for rest, peace, perhaps quiet from the commotion and the argument. So he enters a house, Mark tells us, but wants no one to know he's there. And yet at the same time, this woman, who we can't lose sight of the fact she's a Gentile, a Gentile, somehow finds that she had heard that he was around word of Jesus' miracles and his preaching had spread even to Gentile territories. What does she want? She wants what any of us want. She wants an answer to her prayer. And in this case, it's the prayer of a loving mother seeking to have a demon driven from her Lord. It could be anything. A parent asking for God to help with something. A husband asking to help with marriage. A child asking for help with schoolwork, someone asking for strong faith. But what did we learn from the passage? We learned something from a Gentile woman about our prayer life. We learned persistence in our prayer. We learned humility in our prayer. And we learned courage in our prayer. Not to be afraid to ask the Lord anything that troubles us. Anything that keeps us from having a closer relationship with him or with others. Fear is a terrible inhibition. What's going on here? We have this woman, she walks in, and Jesus literally says no. She walks in, she kneels down before the Lord, falls at his feet, and begs for her daughter. She broke all kinds of established customs doing this. Woman approaching a man, woman starting a conversation, a Gentile woman approaching a rabbi and making a demand. Really? All out the window. Why? Because of the love she has for her daughter. And equally importantly, the faith that she has that Jesus can help her. But what does Jesus say to her? Let the children be fed first. For it's not right to take the food of the children 
and throw it to the dogs. Well, dogs were unclean animals. She basically got called a dog by the Lord. But what's really going on here? Jesus' full humanity and divinity is on display here. He's tired, worn out. He's surprised by this woman. He's caught off guard. He tests her. You gotta be kidding me. What do you want from me? Oh, another one wanting a miraculous healing. Oh, I'm Gentile woman. What we lose in this passage is, do you ever get a text message? I'm sure you have. Have you gotten or sent text messages where the meaning is just completely lost on the person who sent it to you or the person you sent it to? And we see in the exchange of text messages how words alone, the understanding and meaning of them can often be misunderstood. And Mark gives us very little about really what's going on in this interaction other than words. We see nothing of facial expressions. We see nothing of emotions, physical actions, demeanor, right? We need all these things to fully understand a conversation. So Jesus could very well be tired and impatient with this woman, which could explain his very harsh response, right? Maybe he was humored by her. Maybe his humor invited her to be so bold in her response. Perhaps when she said, the Lord, even the children, even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table. She didn't lose a beat. She wasn't intimidated. She didn't feel abandoned. She didn't feel put off. How would we feel? we made a prayer to our God, our Lord Jesus Christ, and we got that for an answer verbally, could you just imagine? I don't know. I think I put my head under the pillow. <laughs> but this woman teaches us lessons about courage, about faith, about persistence, and about love. Because it's the love for her daughter that brings her to this very uncomfortable situation. She knows that she's a Gentile. She knows Jesus is a rabbi. In fact, Mark points out to us that he's renowned even in the Gentile territory. Another thing we should consider just for a moment is this woman comes into this house uninvited, surprises Jesus, and is immediately asking for a miraculous gift. And Jesus gives her this what we'll call rude maybe inconsiderate and unsympathetic response initially. In all the other Gospels, has anyone who ever petitioned the Lord for a favor ever been treated this way? No. Only this woman, this Gentile. So we can take from this encounter what? What do we take from this? How do we leave here today and consider this as a lesson Obstacles. We'll always face obstacles in our lives, families, jobs, spiritual life. We have to be willing to have the courage to bring them to the Lord. What about people we know who feel shame or they've been driven from the church because of some bad event or some poor feeling about the way they were treated? People carry guilt. Fear. 
We've got to take these to the Lord. We've got to take them to the Lord because he is the one who can heal. If that's his will. So the point of the story that Mark, it's kind of convoluted. The context is very difficult to grasp. But in my mind, I see Jesus almost being human by her. The nerve that she had coming in and presenting herself, not asking for a piece of bread, asking for a demon to be driven from her door. That's no small favor. So let us, let us in our own prayer, petition the Lord humbly and persistently. Let us be open to courage and fight fear. Let us be patient, because we might not get the answer we're looking for, and we might not get the answer at all anytime soon. But more importantly, let us trust in the Lord that he will hear and answer our prayers. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you now and always. That was very good. How would you feel? I felt good. Yeah. I mean, I wish I just didn't even have this with me. I think I would have been better, yeah. You seem to enjoy it. Did you enjoy it? I did, yeah. Yeah, it's a good story. It's I enjoyed it. You enjoyed it. Yeah, I did. It is a challenging passage. I can tell you did some research on this, too. It seems like you seem to preach from, you know, um, I think you had some solid research on what you were saying. But like, this is a guy who probably read three or four different commentaries about it, and 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 he went right after it. Like, like I said to um, Raphael, this is a tough text. Um, and I think he gave some plausible, you know, not that like because it is hard. You can't soften it. <laughs> he compares it to a dog, but you, you, you gave it some like plausible, like maybe he was maybe something about her indicated to him he could say this to her. You know, and it wouldn't be like the most insulting thing. Maybe you would, yeah, that, that seems plausible to me the way you said that. Great opening. Um, and you know, we mentioned this cool like text message thing. I kind of, if you had like an example, like, oh, this person texted me last, so, like, that might have been like, I was trying to think, I know what he's talking about. Do I have a text? I was thinking of a, so uh, I'm a Capuchin prior. Whenever I say Capuchin, it's my talk to text thing. It says either cabbages or catfish heads. <laughs> and fryers always with a Y. So I got what you mean, but I don't know. A chance for humor a little bit. You could have like a, you could have, you kids now? Forgive me? You children? I have four, yeah. Okay, so boom. There's like some humor to, to mine there with the texts and stuff. You also said no other person asked favor like this of Jesus. I think Matthew has a similar story. Well, yes, it's the same passage, though. No yes. other person. Yeah, I just, but she's called the Canaanite woman in Matthew. Here it's Syrophoenician. So I, I don't know, I, just, I was thinking of that. But um, it is unbeatable. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You mentioned something up top about you, you um, listed a variety of hardships, right? What did you, what did you list? Did you, I kind of just. I didn't have those. those yeah, so I think it was like divorce or something, or you know, fear. Yeah. Um, I, I might have kept those until the second half. Right. Because, so all right, you were in the first century, really good. You kind of jumped out of that for a moment, then you went back in. I might have said, hey, you know, um, her attitude 
we can have. You know what I mean? And that could have been like your hinge. I might have said to the end, because I think you earned, in this good homily, you earned a big ask. You know what, I mean? what do you mean by that? So you kind of ended with like something like, we can take this to the Lord. That's a soft sell. You know, like, you could earn, you know, if someone in your life, this woman isn't advocating for herself. She's advocating for someone who's not, 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 not present. Is there someone in your life who's not here? Because um, if they're in touch with you, they're in touch with the Lord. And you could have said something like, is there someone that you wish would come back to church? Or you might have, I think you earned a big ask. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think you did a good job. And you could have asked for a little more, I think, rather than just kind of like, Generally, you can. I think you said in general, be persistent with your prayer. I think you could have made it a little more strong because I think, I think you earned it. Right. Um, okay. You know, like yourself, I started a little late. It didn't feel long though. It, it might have been eight or nine, but it didn't feel that. And the video is nine thirty. Nine thirty. Nine thirty. Nine minutes and thirteen seconds. Yeah, but. It, Maybe three fours. I was like, he should wrap it up. And yeah. <laughs> okay, well done, Doug. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's take a, a six-minute break. Six minutes. Six minutes. Yes. I think we're, we had six students and not eight, it'd be perfect, but God be praised, you're eight, so there's nine, I'll get things like this. Back sheet. I grabbed some of these 125th anniversary. Uh, And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord. The apostles gathered together with Jesus and reported all they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. People were coming and going in great numbers, and they had no opportunity even to eat. 
So they went off in the boat by themselves to a deserted place. People saw them leaving, and many came to know about it. They hastened there on foot from all the towns that arrived at the place before them. When Jesus disembarked and saw the vast crowd, his heart was moved with pity. For they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Here we are, brothers, four and a half years under our belts. This is our last semester. I don't know about you, but if you're anything like me, I am so excited. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm anxious to get out and go about the work that we've been preparing for for the past number of years. I can't wait. I have a lot of exuberance, uh, as I'm sure we all do. Are we very confident that we're going to do a great job once we get out there and we're deacons? Well, I look at this gospel passage from today, and there's one line that pops out at me that I keep going back to, and it's the only line that's attributed to Jesus speaking in this entire passage. Jesus just says this one thing. He says, come away by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Now you'll recall, prior to this gospel passage, Jesus had just sent the apostles out on mission two by two, and he gave them the instructions as well as they went out. Now they're coming back and they're reporting to him about all that they've done and accomplished. And he says to them, come, rest a while in a deserted place. We are also about to be sent out on our missions as well, whatever that might be, as deacons. Notice that when Jesus tells them to come to a deserted place and rest a while, he doesn't tell them to go to a deserted place. He says, come. And what does that imply? Well, that, I think, tells us that Jesus will be there with them. So it's not truly a deserted place after all. Is this not Jesus' message to us as well? Is he not calling us to spend time with him alone in quiet prayer? Throughout the Gospels, Jesus demonstrates the importance to us of prayer. In fact, he approaches every major event in his three-year ministry with prayer. Jesus prepares for his time uh, of ministry for three years, and he's also in preparation for his encounter with Satan by spending 40 days in the wilderness praying. Before he chooses his apostles, what does he do? He prays. At the time of his baptism, what does he do? He prays. When he's on the mountain with Peter, James, and John at the Transfiguration, what does he do? He prays. When he performs many of his miracles, what does he do? He prays. In the Garden of Gethsemane, what does he do? He prays. On the cross, what does he do? He prays. He's constantly praying. 
He's constant, and it doesn't matter. It's in early morning. Sometimes it's on a mountaintop, or sometimes it's in a desolate place like the desert. But whatever it is, it's time away for Jesus to spend time with the Father and give the Father full attention, which is why he goes to a deserted place. To give the Father full attention without the distractions of the world around him, without the distractions of people coming and begging for miracles, asking him questions. This is the message that the Lord is sending to us now. We must find time to give God our full attention, no distractions, whether that means at Mass, perhaps daily Mass, if we can do it, perhaps Eucharistic adoration, or just quiet time in the church, or perhaps even it means going into our rooms and closing the door and spending that quiet time in prayer with our Lord. Brothers, we cannot do what we are being sent to do without the divine assistance to help us, to guide us, to provide us with instructions. Because if we think we can do it on our own, well, maybe we can, and maybe we can do lots of good, but we're probably not going to do it as well as we could, and perhaps we're not going to be doing exactly what our Lord wants us to be doing. We have to join our will to his in all things, in all matters. And how do we do that? It begins and ends with prayer. He'll provide us with the instructions that we need. Just yesterday in Mass, we saw the, the beautiful gospel passage that we spoke about a little bit earlier of St. Peter, and how, although he made his best efforts, and he was very good at what he did as a fisherman, most certainly, but he just couldn't get the fish that night. But when Jesus got on the boat, and Peter was on the boat with him. And he was together, joined with Jesus. And Jesus said, now throw out your nets." And he was very successful as a fisher of fish before he went forward to become a fisher of men. So we have to ask ourselves, are we trying to accomplish things for God without praying for God's will and God's strength? Are we spending sufficient time alone with our dear Lord? Jesus showed us through his example of prayer that prayer was necessary in order to stay in touch with God's will for the life of our diaconate and our ministry. Jesus had much to pray about, and so you can imagine all that we have to pray about as well. So when our Lord calls us to come away with him in solitude, Rest assured that it's not really time spent alone. It is, in fact, precious time with our Lord and Savior. So let us never forget, brothers, as we plan to serve each day, to be certain, to carve out some time to spend alone, but not really alone, alone with our Lord. Praise be Jesus Christ now and forever. How did it feel all? Better than I thought it was going to feel. It did. I would say you were, you were feeling it. I thought it was, I thought it was perfect. It was a very good honor. Um, prepared well. My, uh, I always describe your, I'd say it was an approachable style. I feel like, I feel like a rabbi. 
You know, just like it had good uh, good style. The go versus come, very nice. Good time, good context. Just like after the being sent out, um, the whole he prays thing, and that was some good preaching. You could have just kind of prompted us. What is it? When he, on the cross, he, you know, you could have like got us involved, and you know, you could have done. Um, you could have uh, paralleled it. When things, when Jesus is tired, he prays. When we're tired, we pray. And you could have said like, when the Lord's suffering, he prays. When we're suffering. Just some neat stylistic stuff. But um, he had a nice list there at the times the Lord prays, you know, when he's, when he's on the cross, Lazarus, the Lord. That, that was a nice. And I didn't think you looked at your notes for the first like three minutes. You know, you were really engaging and I was cheating with others. I, I what I what I did was I had my notes written out, but I had big old statements, like yeah. just words coming out of such just the prophet. That's a good way to do it. I felt engaged and it was, it was fun. I thought you were enjoying it. And yeah. Well done. Would you change anything if you're doing it? Um, probably less of this. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's right. mm -hmm. Maybe you have two sheets there? Excuse me? You have two sheets there, Paul? No, I actually have uh, mm -hmm. two and a half. Okay. I think maybe if I just bullet points, I think that's my goal. Yeah. I guess I'll get there. With your spirit. A reading from the Gospel of Mark. Jesus summoned the crowd again and said to them, Hear me of you and understand. Nothing that enters one from the outside can defile that person, but the things that come out from within are with the fire. When he got home away from the crowd, his disciples questioned him about the parable. He said to them, Oh, even like you, likewise, without understanding, do you not realize that everything that goes into a person from the outside cannot defile, since it enters not the heart but the stomach and passes out into the latrine? Thus he declared all food was clean. But what comes out of a man is what defiles him. From within the man, from his heart, comes evil thoughts, unchastity, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, dissent, lascivious, envy, blasphemy, arrogance, folly. All of these evils come within and they defile. The word of the Lord. Thank you. What strikes me most about 
passage is how greed and envy is put together with murder and blasphemy. It's these evil thoughts that come from the heart. Action versus desire in thought and in deed. I love uh, the beginning of Genesis where it says, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. You can read it all you want, and you're not going to find hell. So what are we, what, how do we try to describe where does this evil come from? Where does this hell come from? Where was this lack of being in the kingdom of heaven? Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. Well, let's jump forward to Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden. That clearly was the kingdom of God. What was the actions of Adam and Eve? I mean, if you ask a child, they'll look at you, shrug their shoulders and say, it just ate an apple. That was the action. But the, what defiled them was what came from their heart. Their desire to A, disobey God, and B, to try to be more like God. And that, of course, was original sin, which got us kicked out of the first kingdom of God. I love the parable of the weeds of the wheat. And I'll just give a summation of it. It kind of explains kind of where evil is and how we have to deal with it. As you know, you have a farmer. You have this beautiful field. He sows the finest uh, seeds of wheat. During the night, his enemies come and they plant this weed. And the wheat is actually designed to look like wheat. And you don't know it until the crops grow. And the farm workers come to the owner of the farm and say, hey, we got weeds here. What do you want us to do? You want us to pull them out? Obviously, the weeds are bad. And uh, I love Jesus' reply, because Jesus is the farmer. No, if you pull them up, the weeds might uproot the wheat along with them. Let them grow together until the harvest. Then at harvest time, I will say to the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them in bundles and burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Obviously, the one who sowed the seeds is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy of who sows is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. In the New American Bible, there's a footnote. That footnote regarding the parable of the weeds and the wheat is a warning to the apostles. And that warning is very simple. Don't judge. Don't exclude anybody. Don't exclude the sinners from the kingdom of heaven. That'll be done only by God and only by God's judgment. Until then, there must be patience and preaching of repentance. So what about today's gospel? What comes out of man that defiles, defiles him. From the one man, from his heart, come evil thoughts. Clearly, there is no room in heaven for weeds. We all know in our hearts that evil thoughts are like a downward staircase. The more you entertain them, the more they lead you deeper and deeper into more evil thoughts. Left unchecked, we can start to become a weed. I've met those who seem to be weeds. It wasn't because they were cursing or commenting inappropriately. <laughs> no, it was much more than that. It was the evil words that defiled against another person or group. 
in contrast, did you ever hear a person define a material object? No, it's always a person or a group. Yes, we have weak moments when we are mad and stressed, and many times we might resemble a weak. The advertisement professionals, they don't help any with their promiscuous ads. They seem to be everywhere and clearly cause us to stumble. However, if you remind yourself that you are weak, that certain thoughts emerge. Fire off a quick prayer against the enemy. It can be as simple as, please, Lord, come into my heart and take away these thoughts. Praise be to Lord Jesus Christ. How'd you feel then? Good. I mean, I, again, uh, I was blown away by some of the other students. Fellow <laughs> classmates. Fellow classmates. They just sound young and, you know. We're old. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I, you, I literally made changes as I sat there and listened to the other homilies, and I was like, that's a great idea. I'll put that in. That's a great and you know, um, so you kind of have. I heard maybe two and a half homilies here. Um, the parable of the weeds and the wheat wasn't what you read for the the gospel. You kind of put it there, and then you had like a secondary. And then you came back to the eagle bit. I don't know, I, I thought it would be a great homily if you had the weeds in the wheat. No, no, again, uh, that's why I, I, I tried to shorten it, but then I realized you can't shorten it because you want to remind people of it so they would remember it. And then the whole object of that is we, we are living amongst some really bad people, but we're not allowed to put judgment on them. Only God can judge them. And uh, I'm not saying who the bad person is, but we know there's bad people out there. It's, uh, <laughs> That's a funny way to look at it. I, I'm not sure that's how the Lord use it, but this is a funny line. I've met people who seem to be weeds. I might say that twice. That was, that was a funny line. Um, Actually, the laughing threw me off because I was like, that was funny. I thought it was pretty funny. But I mean, interesting, interesting enough phrase here, promiscuous ads. Promiscuous ads. Cheating on the ad life, you know. Exactly. Um, but uh, you know, I think you did find. I think you found the dynamite. Dynamite is, or at least you know, one could be. It's, you know, as a uh, gospel says, come evil thoughts, and then so the thought comes first. You know, it's, I think you found something you could could use. Um, Probably the weed, the, again, the parable uh, of the weeds of the weed, I, I was trying to spin it in a different direction, didn't quite get there, but I think it had to do with, you know. I guess I, when you start talking about that, I understood this as like, I know I just read the Gospel of Mark, but listen to this, you know? It's kind of like, I don't know, maybe, ah, how about this? If you bring in a secondary parable, not, or a secondary text, not in the lectionary, you can't really showcase it, you know? It has to be a supporting actor. It can't be your star. And I think you kind of made the peril of the weeds in the weeds, like your star, and made the actual lectionary reading about the um, 
clean and unclean, that was kind of like your supporting cast. So just a thought I had, but um, you know what I, I really wanted to hear? Well, Dan, how about this? Do you have any example of, you know, okay, a thought slowly kind of become something that's really dangerous spiritually? Any example you can think of or a story or some kind of thing? Well, like for example, you know, the other night, again, I'm not passing judgment, but, uh, you know, I met a, someone I went to high school with, and we were talking for a half hour, and all of a sudden he came out with a bing line, and I just realized, who was a what? Well, I guess I was going to say a bing line, where he could have exposed himself. A bing line? Yeah, when he goes bing, oh, now I know. <laughs> I know, that's just, that's an expression the kids use now. Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no, it, he, he basically said a really derogatory thing about a person that had to be in the bar. Okay. And uh, I just looked at him like, wow, I broke off the conversation and kind of walked away. It was very derogatory. It was like, it wasn't like, hey, look at that hot whatever. It was more like, you know, derogatory. It was, uh, you know, is that what you mean? Or is that okay, what you mean? Okay, you're on the right track. So there's a principle that I'll share with you. And again, you know, people can take this in a variety of ways. But the principle, I think it's a good one. It's not a universal thing, but... If you want to talk about somebody else, it won't go well unless you first talk about yourself. Right. So by making fun of yourself a little bit, well, that kind of was the edge. They kind of know that okay, he's not just pointing fingers at everybody else. You know, for instance, like I don't know, this is just off the top of my head. Okay, so uh, I uh, first the thought is. The thought is, I kind of want to be here right now. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm, I'm going to the fridge. Okay, I get a beer. Now, four hours later, I watched tons of TV, wasted my evening. You know what I mean? I don't know. Just a, a silly example. But I think what the Lord is trying to tell us is that be careful about what's between your ears. Um, all evil things start out as a little idea. I don't know. I, I was thinking some kind of example, even like a humorous one. Um, I think, again, uh, I just had a couple of clear thoughts. I was trying, again, the whole thing I saw was like judgment, judgment, like, you know, are we judging people? And, and kind of like, um, you know, are we, are, we're amongst people, we're weeds in the wheat, but are we judging people? Only God can judge somebody as a weed or a weed. And it's, uh, so that's, I should have, I should have probably not used that. But thank you for that. Yeah. I think it's okay to bring another text, but you can't like make it the star, you know. It got me thinking though, you know, I wonder sometimes we think we're weak. Maybe we're in a weed phase, you know, or or maybe people who are weak think they're weak. You know what I mean? I wonder if there's a if we have some identity issues. If yeah, if again I say this to everybody, if you want to see a really great half hour presentation about the week and week is the guy who does the Bible project. I don't know if you've ever seen any of sure. those. Yeah. If you put in 30 and then week and the week, he does a 45 minute uh, presentation on the week and the week. It really does impact me so much. I, I, I use it twice now. I use it last week and I use it now. It's a good one. Try to spin it. Dan, yeah, what's your profession? Right now, I'm teaching. Okay. What do you teach? Theology. <laughs> they don't like me. What school? Travis Catholic. Oh, you told me that last time. Okay. I used to be NYPA for 22 years. Just a good time. I tell you, the Lord's going to use that. Well, let's see. <laughs> um, you know what? Oh, man. If 
being a cop comes from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but uh, if I was, you know, if I had that kind of profession, I'd be like, you know, sometimes you encounter a lot of weeds and weeds that you've been on the beat. You know what I mean? There's, there's something there that, uh, I feel like you have need some uh, examples. You know what I mean? It's some kind of uh, an image to encapsulate it. Very good. Thank you. Appreciate it. Gospel, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to John, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And at the end, it's the, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Which only you and I said. Everyone else says, the Lord of the Lord. But you and I say, the Gospel of the Lord. Bob, you're up. How are you doing? Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's 918. I got yeah. Next class, I'm gonna email everybody. I'm gonna say, okay, here's what we'll do. You, 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 you'll go this time. I'll, I gotta plan ahead because we are really, and we can't shortchange the next person because then it's like, well, he got 20 minutes. How about I got five? Like, <laughs> one got nine. The other one got. Doesn't seem fair, does it? Doesn't seem fair. Are you going to go? Well, I'm thinking having Stephen going because that way at least we're well, all. Well, I feel bad. They were. See, They're know. always laughed. They what what they, my minutes? Yeah, if Stephen goes, it proves to us we can all go on the same day. But I don't think you really can. You know, I mean, I think we. Um, I wanted to talk a little about the the weed release. No, no, Robert Wozniak's life. <laughs> By the way, a lot of this, if you read the Wozniak text in the fourth chapter, he answers. He has like a, a frequently asked questions section. He answers some of the things we're talking about here. So, just, um, yeah. Stephen, what do you think? You want to go and then? I don't know. I feel bad that they were last. That they're last again. No. Like I'm willing to go. You yeah, know. but if you go, there is a kind of fairness that everyone went today. Come on, Steve. Uh, you can do it. Okay. And I'll email the class. And kind of say, okay, next week we'll have this lineup. The week after that we'll have this lineup. Um, yeah, I guess I was trying to accomplish it, but it happens. Maybe you want to record it? Well, that's okay. You sure? Yeah. Let me do it on my phone. Uh, I think it's on the inside cup. Who's the, who's the saint? Uh, 
Like, Irenaeus was just last week, wasn't there? Okay, okay. Irenaeus. Okay. That's it. So I was kind of, I thought he was hard to lock there. I thought he was too. I was surprised to see that. Okay, Stephen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus left the district of Tyre and went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee into the district of the Decapolis. And people brought to him a deaf man who had a speech impediment and begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him off by himself away from the crowd. He put his finger into the man's ear and spitting touched his tongue. Then he looked up to heaven and groaned and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened. His speech impediment was removed, and he spoke plainly. He ordered them not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them not to, the more they proclaimed it. They were exceedingly astonished, and they said, He has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. He does all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Indeed, my brothers, Jesus does do everything well. My brothers, I believe this Gospel reading is much more than healing. If this reading were simply about healing, then we are just reading about another miracle that Jesus worked, and all of us already know that Jesus healed and went about doing good during his mission. If this gospel reading were just about healing, then it would have ended with, he heals the deaf and the mute. But the reading ends with, he makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. If the gospel reading were meant to be just about healing, then Jesus would not have taken the deaf man off by himself and away from the crowd and would not have ordered them not to tell anyone. Jesus did this because he didn't want to be known as, a, as another miracle worker or as a physician. But his goal is to open all of our ears so that we may hear his kingdom message. Remember his kingdom message? This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Once we have heard and accepted his kingdom message through his teaching, he then wants us to proclaim his message to others and go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. The gospel reading uses the word make because Jesus is making us all ready through his teaching for all of us to hear and accept his kingdom message. In Psalm 40, paragraph 7, it says, Sacrifice and offering you do not want. You opened my ears. Thus, my brothers, the first message we can take from this gospel reading is that we must all open our ears and speak the gospel to the ends of the earth as Jesus commanded us to do. However, there is another message here. And that is, some of us 
who are disabled, homeless, living on the periphery, need to have this message taken to them as Jesus wants to save us all. Thus, the second message that we can take from this reading is that, yes, Jesus does all things well, and he sets the example of his compassion and care of the sick, the lepers, and the outcasts. And he calls each and every one of us to do the same. I can remember in our first year ministry here in the, in the diaconate, we all had to um, do ministry for the homeless. I thought this would be really easy, um, being involved in uh, midnight runs and a few other activities in my parish, which I had done for years. I thought, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake for me. So what I did to, to do something different was I worked in the Morning Glory Breakfast Program at the Dorothy Day House. And I served breakfast one to two days a week from 6.30 in the morning to 9.30. And I think it was my second time that I was there. A home, and if you ever worked at the Dorothy Day House, it's a little bit different than most shelters. You're not behind a counter putting food on a plate. You're actually uh, welcoming your homeless brother and sisters in you're seating them at table, and you're serving them. And at the Dorothy Day House, they actually encourage you to sit at table and break bread with them and, and engage in conversation so that you can make them feel human, just like, you know, at the same level that we are. So one day, I'm in the kitchen, and the kitchen kind of opened up into the dining room, and this homeless sister walks in, and she's covered in sores. I mean, she looked terribly sick. And my first thought was, I don't want to get too close. But at that minute, at the same time almost, a peace came over to me, over me, and I felt that, no, this is one of God's children. I need to serve them. I need to help Jesus care for his flock. And immediately I felt pressure in my chest that just pushed me towards her. Next thing you know, I was racing because I wanted to be the first one to serve her. And I greeted her, asked her if she wanted coffee. She said, no, I'll take some orange juice. And I served her for the rest of the morning. In this gospel reading, Jesus places his fingers in the ears of the deaf man. Then he spits and touches his tongue. He gets his hands dirty. He gets in with the sheep. He expects us to do the same, to get our hands dirty, get in with the sheep, and come out smelling like them. Jesus does all things well, and he orders us to do the same. He sets the example of how to serve, and the, he sets the example of the level of compassion that we, mu that we must have so that we, too, may open their ears and help them to speak and proclaim his kingdom message to the end of the world. Today, brothers, let our prayer be this. Lord Jesus, please help us to have compassion for your children, the eagerness to serve, and the desire to mix in with the sheep, so that we may do your will and do all things well. Amen. God bless you all. I don't feel
I don't know. I wish I just organized some of this a little better. But it felt okay. I think this is the reading right after yours, Doug, right? Yeah, so. I love that story. It's nice that your program provides those kind of experiences because that's, that's going to become homily fodder. Mm -hmm. You know, everything you do is like grist for the mill. Mm -hmm. um, Did it make sense when I brought that story in? Absolutely. I thought it was great. I thought that was very strong. Think of your lives as like homily material. Carry a notebook wherever you go. And yesterday, a couple days ago, I hiked up Mount Beacon where I live. Super icy. I was slipping. I had the wrong shoes on. I was slipping all over the place. I didn't fall once the whole two and a half mile hike until I was 10 feet from my car. And I, as I was falling, I was like, this is going to preach. <laughs> you know, because every little thing is like a great, so that, that's, a great, that's a great story. Steve, I think you had two very discrete parts. The first half, you were kind of explaining the miracle. The story was dynamite. That was beautiful. First half, really boring. You just kind of rehashed and, you know, mm -hmm. but the second half, I would have had the first half. I would have cut the first half okay. and just gone with the story, you know, and that was interesting. That was, um, and I, you painted a good picture. I kind of got it, you know, when you, right. when you said the woman looked terribly uh, ill and said she had, like, sores on her. Yeah. Okay, so, um, by the way, when you guys are, are baptizing people, you'll pray the epitha prayer. It's one of the prayers of baptism. It's actually, I think, optional, but I always do it because it's a beautiful prayer. May the Lord open your ears to hear his word in his mouth to proclaim his praise. Isn't that a funny thing? Like, the Lord touches the guy's tip. It's like a wet lily kind of thing. Right. You know, he's like a serpent, you know? It's, it's kind of a funny miracle. The Lord does these funny things. Um, oh, in the, uh, the Wozniak uh, second half, he kind of discourages people from ending homilies by saying, let us do something, let okay. us. Okay. What you said was good. I just think that it's, everyone does that, the let us bit. And it does kind of seem kind of weak. Because okay. let us, I'm trying to think what the Lord says let us. Let us is like the weakest way to command somebody. Let us go to the store. You know, like, it's, it's, it just seems like you can make a, a stronger ask, you know? What would you say if you want someone here in your homily, what would you want them to do? Well, I think I would want, well, kind of a little bit of how it ended with, I want us to follow Jesus' example and do all things well, you know, just like he did. Um, Your story. It sounds like you were changed, right? In that story? Oh yeah, that was that whole Dorothy Day house, I could tell you so many other stories where it changed me. And I thought it would be easy. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be you know, on midnight runs, oh I've got this. Oh, this is gonna be easy. The way you just did that with your expressions, you didn't do that five no. minutes ago. No. You were you're kinda you know, Stephen, you kinda have like a little yellow box here, you know, and you kinda just mm. you know, and but the way you just did that, that was good. Mm -hmm. um, you had some energy, you had some drama. 
Um, you can even say, you know, I thought midnight runs. This is going to be easy. You can, you know, just get your personality in there. Um, but now speaking, so you encountered this woman, right? Mm -hmm. Dorothy Day. Mm -hmm. What's it called? The Day House. Dorothy Day House. Yeah. Where is that? Uh, this one was in Danbury, Connecticut. That's okay. where I work. Spent a lot of time in Danbury. Oh, okay. Never left my car though. Uh, on Spring Street, this is located. Um, so the story really interesting because the Lord kind of opened your ears. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Maybe you could play with that a little bit. Like here I was, I had my closed right. mind. You know, right. A is going to be easy. B, you resisted. You ever heard of Saint Francis's story with the leper? Yes. It's almost exactly like what you just said. Right. And he comes to encounter the leper as the Lord. Right. I think saints are like the most compelling thing. Saints are proof our faith works. You know, like, hey, there aren't any agnostic Mother Teresa's. There's no atheist St. Francis's. Like, our faith makes people good. Um, so I always kind of like little peppering saint stories like that. Um, but yeah, I think the story was a dynamite story. And you kind of came alive. Okay. Maybe next time, next time we lead with a story. Right. You know, it gets an energy into it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 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 uh, no, we go over only. Who's going to close the prayer? <laughs> I'm so so mad. Just final instructions. Well done, Steve. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you.